It's the Christmas season. Tis the season to be giving and receiving gifts, which means that it's very possible that at least once uh, this season, uh, you'll have that awkward moment when a person gives you a gift and then waits to watch you unwrap the gift and then watches as you react to a gift that you do not want. So what do you do then? Well, you got to say something. But what do you say? Never fear. As a service to you, I have compiled 10 things to say about a gift that you don't want. And these are ranked from the most subtle kind of responses to the least subtle uh, response, where number 10 is a very subtle response to a gift you don't want. It's just saying, now that's a gift. And that's subtle because you're not saying it's good or bad. You're just making an observation. And then number nine is also very subtle. Nine is, oh, I don't deserve this. And that's subtle because you, you can, if you say it with enough enthusiasm, people actually think that you really like that gift. Uh, and then number eight is subtle, and it's easy to remember because it's just repeating one word over and over again. Number eight is, well, 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 well. Uh, number seven is a little less subtle and has the added advantage of being completely honest. Number seven is, really, you shouldn't have. And uh, number six, we move into territory that's a little less uh, subtle. Number six is, I love it, but I so fear the jealousy that it will inspire. And next comes number five. Number five is, if the dog chews this up, I might be furious. And then uh, number four, which is less subtle, uh, this will be perfect for wearing around the basement. And... Uh, this uh, next one, number uh, three, is to pull out in an emergency. An emergency because this is a very drastic commitment. Number three is to think, I get this when I already vowed to give all my gifts this year to charity. And now number two is not very subtle. Number two is, wow, I hope this never catches on fire, but this is fire season. Many unexplained fires. And now, take out your pens and uh, paper. Here's number one. The least subtle thing to say about a Christmas gift you do not want is, this gift is such a treasure that I'm going to bury it. So there's, uh, there you are. I've just given you a uh, Christmas gift that you will definitely want to use if you receive a gift you definitely don't want. But now, let's talk about another gift that you do want, because in this world of worry and fear and anxiety and stress, what all of us want this Christmas is some peace of mind. Thankfully, personal peace is what the gift of Jesus at Christmas is all about. And when I really open this Christmas gift of Jesus in the meaning of Christmas, I receive the peace of mind I really want this year, every year, every day of my life. So within the details of the Christmas story, uh, there is one person who reveals the secret of how to receive this peace of God. That person is Mary, and we find the details of her story in the Christmas account found in Luke chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In these days, in those days, Caesar issued a decree 
that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Thank you. So Mary reveals the secret of how to receive the gift of God's peace. And Mary's secret is summarized in that last phrase we read, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And this concise statement holds the secrets, Mary's secrets to experiencing God's peace in this anxious world. Uh, Mary's first peace secret is Mary treasured up. And this is one of those cases where it's helpful to know the Greek word behind this little phrase that Luke uses, uh, treasured up. And it describes Mary's response to the stable and the manger and all the other unusual circumstances of her role in the Christmas story. And the Greek word for treasured up means to hold on to what is most valuable. Mary had peace in this anxious world because she knew what to hold on to and what to let go of. For instance, Mary held on to God's goodness and let go of control. Mary had peace of mind because she held on to God's good blessings, God's, God's wonderful gifts in the midst of life, and then she let go of circumstances that were beyond her control. And until we learn Mary's secret, we're going to go on through life missing. Missing some of the greatest gifts of God in the midst of life. Missing good and beautiful moments in life. Missing God's peace and contentment because we will not let go of our need to try to control and manipulate things to our plans and our expectations. Guess what? It doesn't work. No matter how much you try to manipulate people and events in your life, 
you will not succeed in conforming them to your expectations. And it will leave you, if you try to control all these things in your life, it'll leave you angry and bitter and disappointed and anxious and stressed out. And you'll miss all the wonderful blessings that God sprinkles out in his love throughout each and every day of our lives when we let him be in control. This is why Mary was able to lay her baby in an animal's feeding box, look around at a stable, and treasure it up. I'm sure Mary had other expectations for the circumstances of the birth of her firstborn. Uh, I'm sure she expected to lay her newborn in something like a crib and not in an animal's feeding box. And if Mary held on to her expectations and her need for control, she would have been filled with maybe something like anger toward God or toward Joseph or toward uh, Bethlehem, or she would have been gripped with panic or would have been just downcast and depressed in spirit. But Mary didn't do that. Mary understood how worthless it is to try to control things that are beyond your control. Mary knew how to treasure up, which means that she knew how to hold on to what was most valuable in her situation. She knew how to hold on to God's goodness and to look for God's blessings in the midst of circumstances that were beyond her control. My teenage kids uh, uh, will not go bowling with me anymore. Uh, they consider my bowling style an embarrassment. And apparently uh, the embarrassment is not my bowling score, which is excellent, but instead the embarrassment is what happens after I release the ball. It's something like this. And that's when I get a strike. You should see what happens when I uh, get a gutter ball. And apparently, uh, when I release the ball and stand at the line and try, to, and try to use my force of will and my Jedi powers to try to move the ball down the lane, it's a beyond an embarrassment to see me try to control things that are beyond my control. And my kids are right. The secret to bowling and the secret to life, to peace, is to stop acting like you have control when you do not. In bowling, I need to learn that once the ball is between me and the pins, it doesn't do any good to gyrate and to scream and yell and cry and pound on the floor. It doesn't, it's a waste of time because it's beyond my control. Same thing in life. I will never find peace of mind until I learn to give to God what is beyond my control. When Mary looked around that stable, she couldn't help but admit that the situation was not what she wanted, not what she dreamed of, not what she expected or planned. And maybe when you look around your life, you have to admit the same thing. You look around your life and you see a, a barnyard of unpaid bills and battered dreams and broken relationships. And, you know, to the extent that these things are in your control, God wants to empower you so that you can, in his strength, face these challenges. But to the extent 
that the, these things are beyond your control, at that point where your control ends, that's where you need to hold on to God's goodness, where you need to let God have control. Give God control, and in exchange, he will give you his perfect peace. One more thought on how Mary treasured up. Uh, Mary held on to God's promises and let go of her worry. Uh, Mary understood that worrying about the future is worthless. It's a waste of time. And so she let it go. And so she could hold on to the most valuable part of, of peace of mind in the midst of situations that are beyond our, our control. She held on to God's promises to her. And we know that Mary had a tight grip on God's promises to her because this is what her cousin Elizabeth said about her one chapter earlier in this account of Luke. Uh, speaking of Mary, Elizabeth says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Mary's peace of mind came from how she treasured up, meaning she held on to the precious promises of God to her, promises like God's promise to be with her in every situation. In fact, God not only promised that, uh, that this was a, the truth, but he gave her a son with a particular name. Not only the name Jesus, but the angel said this son had another name. It was Emmanuel, which means I am God and I am with you. And you say, well, of course Mary could be at peace when she has a personal promise from God himself like that. Guess what? You've got that same promise. If you're a follower of Jesus, God promises this and much more to you as well. God promises that your worries are worthless, that it's a waste of time because he promises that he is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you, that you are completely forgiven and utterly adored by him and that he has a plan for your life in this world that is really, really good. And then he has a homecoming waiting for you in the next world. And so you have nothing to worry about. And when I hold on to God's promises, God offers me an exchange. Here's the exchange. God gives me his perfect and precious peace if I will just give him my worthless worry. This is what Mary did when she treasured up at Christmas. But Mary has a second secret of experiencing God's peace in this anxious world. Mary pondered. Uh, we're told that Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The Greek word for ponder means to focus on what is most important. Uh, the Greek word for ponder means to throw together things of lesser and greater value and weigh them, evaluate them. In other words, when Mary pondered, she experienced God's peace by getting her priorities in order and deciding what was most important in life. For instance, 
Mary focused on God's call instead of her comfort. When Mary looked around the stable, uh, she did some pondering. She weighed the inconvenience of being a pregnant woman who traveled on a wobble-kneed donkey all the way to a certain village and weighed it against the privilege of being the one to fulfill a 500-year-old prophecy that there would be a birth of a Savior in the town of Bethlehem. She weighed that inconvenience and this great privilege and said, there's no comparison. There's nothing more important than being part of God's call, uh, being part of, uh, you know, God's most important thing that he's ever done. Uh, you know, uh, Mary also uh, focused on something else. Mary focused on God's, uh, God's great purpose for her life. And because she did that, she had this amazing peace. If she had failed to ponder this, she might have looked around that stable and complained and whined and threw up her hands in frustration. If she had failed to ponder, you know what? She might have closed the door on those ragtag shepherds who showed up. She might have strangled that little drummer boy. But thankfully, Mary pondered. And when Mary pondered, she concluded that her comfort was not the most important thing. Being part of God's call to bring Jesus to this world was the most important thing. And because Mary focused on God's call and not her comfort, Mary experienced God's unshakable peace. Uh, I was introduced recently to a uh, corporate headhunter uh, named Tom, who uh, hires these uh, high-level executives for uh, uh, big firms. And uh, Tom explained how he became a follower of Jesus. Tom said, I used to get a big kick out of doing the same thing with every hotshot executive I interviewed, uh, interviewed for a, a big job. First, I would get him all relaxed. Uh, I would take off my jacket, loosen my tie, offer him a drink, and we'd just talk football. And then when the big shot was all relaxed, I would lean forward into his face, look him in the eyes, and ask this question. What is your purpose in life? And without fail, the guy's mouth would drop open, his face would turn white, with shock, and then it was utterly amazing to watch how these big-time executives would just fall apart and start to shake and rattle with this simple question of their lives. But then Tom said, one day, I tried this technique with an executive named Bob. And uh, I leaned forward and looked him in the eyes and said, Bob, what is your purpose in life? And without blinking, Bob leaned forward back at me, looked me in the eyes, and he said, my purpose is to love God and love people and introduce as many people as I can to Jesus before I see him face to face. And Tom said that when Bob said that to him, his mouth dropped open and his face turned white. And he realized that he needed a purpose like that in his life. And Tom says that, that's when he became a follower of Jesus. Bob was able to help Tom 
find unshakable peace in Jesus because he had this unshakable focus on God's call in his life and not his comfort. And when you live with this kind of courageous purpose, you live with God's kind of courageous peace in your life. But when you are focused on your comfort, uh, there's nothing unshakable about your life because you are in constant fear that you're going to lose that comfort. And if you live with that kind of pursuing of comfort, you'll always live in discontent because you can always be more comfortable. But when you're focused on your call, you live every day with this joy-filled, unshakable confidence and God's peace. Finally, when Mary pondered, Mary focused on everything she had in Jesus instead of everything she did not have. Mary looked around the stable, and she did not focus or stress over what she didn't have. She placed her focus on something infinitely more important. She focused on Jesus, and Jesus was everything she needed to have God's peace of mind inside. And I'm just wondering about you. I'm just wondering where your mind is and whether you are troubled with some level of anxiety. For all I know, you could be drowning in anxiety right now. And if you are, you know, maybe you ought to look into some medical help. Maybe you ought to let us Try to connect you to a spiritual counselor. But more than anything, what you need is the true gift of Christmas, the person of Jesus. The peace of mind that you are longing for in this life will only be yours if you turn to Jesus. The peace of mind you long for will not be yours by having things. You can have everything except Jesus, and you will never have the peace of mind that you are looking for. But if you have Jesus and focus on him as the most important part of your life, you will have everything you need for peace of mind. And this is what Ashley Poisella has found. Ashley and her husband Chris are part of our media team here at BlackRock. And this is Ashley's story. I grew up in a Christian household. Um, so my faith has been a part of my life since I was a child. I had this idea of what I wanted to do with my life. And I kind of wanted to plan it out so I could be in control of it. So I graduated from college, I moved to New York City. I knew I wanted to be in advertising. I got into the top advertising firm. I was in an accelerated program. I traveled around the world and I just was doing kind of what I had set out to do and I was in control of it. My mom had remarried um, my stepdad, Anthony, who has MS and is in a wheelchair. At the time, my mom was also diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I was going back and forth to New York to be with my parents to take care of them because my mom was the primary caretaker for my stepdad and now she was battling cancer. I think that was the first like eye-opener that I was like, I wasn't focusing on what God's will was for my life and wasn't putting him in control. I was kind of um, controlling everything and trying to pursue perfection instead of what his calling was in my life. And I just kind of saw these two people fighting for their life and reminding me 
sorry. What was really important at the end of the day. And it wasn't accomplishments and traveling and jobs. Um, they were clinging to each other in their faith. Around the same time also, um, I was really starting to struggle with anxiety. I didn't know it at the time that that's what it was. Um, but I started having to go to um, some doctors and have some testing done because they thought something was medically wrong with me. I was having what I now know were these panic attacks, severe panic attacks. You feel like you can't breathe. It's like you're suffocating and your heart's racing. You feel like you're having a heart attack. I was shaking uncontrollably, full body. I just felt like I had no control. The panic attacks had gotten so bad that I was having to call out from work because I couldn't get out of bed. I finally, one day I said to Chris, who was my fiance at the time, I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I'm leaving. So I broke the lease on my apartment. I moved back with my parents. I told my job I was leaving. I just kind of walked away from everything that I had tried to build and control. And I finally started seeing a counselor when I came back to my mom's and Anthony's and um, she said to me, I think you just, I think you have anxiety. I don't think there's a medical problem with you. You know, you, you, all your results come out fine. I, I think you're struggling with severe anxiety. She said, you need to change the way you're thinking and what you're focusing on. Forget everything that you're worrying about, anxious about. What's, what do you know is? What's one thing that just is? I said, honestly, at this point, the only thing that I know that actually is, is God. I was like, that. I have, I am, I have, I don't know about anything else, but I know about him. That became a real turning point during all of that for me. There was one night in particular, I started having a, a really bad panic attack again. I just said, God, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to be in control of my life. Like, I want you to be in control. I just want to surrender this fear and anxiety and worry at the foot of the cross. Like, I'm done. After that night, it was just felt like a big weight off my shoulders. And I can only imagine that God was like, finally, like, this girl's gonna, like, focus on me again and, like, allow me to, like, to use her in the way that I want her to. She's so stubborn. It's funny because during that time I was home is when I started um, taking pictures. So Chris got me a camera and he's like, while you're home, just like relax and just explore, explore this new camera. Like I know you love photography when you were a kid, like maybe this will kind of take your mind off things. So I started learning how to use the camera while I was at home and eventually I went back to my job in Connecticut. Chris did move to, from New York to Connecticut. Fast forward, I started my photography business the next year, and eventually the following year was able to quit my full-time job and pursue photography. It amazes me because God's plan has been so much better than mine, like, ever was. Like, I can't believe I get to wake up every day and do a job that I love. People, you know, ask me, about anxiety and they say, you know, do you still struggle with it? And of course I, I still struggle with anxiety like anyone else. I don't have panic attacks like I used to. I used to hate my anxiety and think it was like this great weakness and something to be ashamed about. And I really felt like God putting on my heart saying, who are you not to tell what I've done for you? And so I look at my anxiety as one of the greatest blessings that has ever happened to me. It, God used it to speak to my heart and he loved me so much that he allowed me to get to this very broken place um, so that I could hear him. Every time I kind of feel those feelings coming up, 
I know that whatever it is, I need to hand it over to God and just say, you know what? God, I lay this at the foot of the cross. I'm not gonna be a slave to fear and to anxiety and to worry. I needed a savior, not just for eternal life and forgive my sins. Like I need a savior like now in this world. Like I literally was self-destructing and was hitting rock bottom and I needed somebody to save me from myself. God did that. He said, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to live in this, um, in this place where you're just constantly consumed by worry and you're having these, you're out of control of everything. Like I can give you peace. I can give you a place where you can enjoy life and you don't have to worry. It's great how Ashley has uh, discovered the same secret uh, that Mary uh, displays in the Christmas story of treasuring up and pondering. And Ashley has gone from a person who is defined by her anxiety to now a person who is defined by God's peace. And you can make that transition too by uh, learning what Mary shows us about experiencing God's peace. Learning what to hold on to in life and what to let go. Learning what to focus on is most important and what just is not worth focusing on in this life. That's the secret to experiencing God's peace. And